You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham, independent financial advisor. And Joanne, I think this evening, well, actually in the early hours of the morning, 2 a.m. South African time and Central European time, there will be a debate between Joe Biden, the aggressor, and the incumbent, uh, Donald J. Trump. Will it be a market mover or is it just uh, curiosity for TV purposes? Um, if you look historically, it, it will probably be just curiosity for, for viewers. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the last sort of um, debates with Hillary Clinton, apparently she won all three. Yes. And she certainly didn't win the elections. So they're, even winning them doesn't seem to help you. Traditionally, apparently, in the first round of debates, the incumbent does quite badly. So the market's sort of expecting that. So again, more interest value than anything else. However, what I would say is that every speech I've listened to of Biden's recently, he seems completely incoherent and can yeah. hardly, hardly make a proper point. You're drifting off a little bit, Joanne. Just to go closer to you at the microphone, because you, your, your sound quality is gone. But anyway, I understand what you're saying about Joe Biden while you fix that, uh, because he is not a viable opponent to Donald Trump. I mean, you and I, I think, and many people agree that Donald Trump is a reprehensible character. But on the other hand, he appeals to his base with his confidence. And Joe Biden just seems a little bit doddery to me. He's incredibly doddery. And I th- but what they're saying, back to your point, Lindsay, that if he does well tonight, that'll be good for Biden. Because people aren't expecting him to do well. People are very well aware of his doddery way of debating things. So I think it's Biden's to win and Biden's to look better. And it actually might improve. Currently, he is about 7% ahead of Trump in the polls. Yeah. But, you know, trust polls these days. But I think Hillary at the same time, I think the memory serves was 4% ahead. He's 7% ahead. So he does, if the polls have improved, he's certainly ahead. And if he does well tonight, I think it could only help him. It can't harm him. Yes, it's going to be fascinating. I have to say, I will go to bed early tonight and set my alarm for 2am and I am going to watch it because I want to see this because it's absolutely fascinating. I do think that Donald Trump is going to destroy him in the debates, unless, of course, Joe Biden takes some performance-enhancing drugs, which Mr (laughs) Trump seems to think that he has been doing just to stay awake, which is ridiculous. It is. I mean, again, you and I have debated this many times on your show, but I continue to be utterly amazed that the only two candidates America could put forward are Trump and Biden. You know, who would have thought that Hillary was actually a much better candidate? And, and I'd much rather see her up there at the moment than Biden. Um, also, I don't, I don't know if you're following this whole tax debacle with uh, Trump currently. Very much so. Very much so. And it's interesting, somebody shared a clip yesterday of a video de- a debate, actually, that Hillary Clinton did four years ago, whatever it was, saying, well, you know, Trump never pays his taxes, beware, and you should watch out for it. And it's come to light that he very much does not pay his taxes or he, the reason he doesn't pay taxes because he's a totally useless businessman. Either way, it's pretty bad. And yet again, people are saying that won't swing it because his supporters are so obsessed by him that they don't think straight. So, yes, um, it's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens at the moment. Biden's ahead. Well, what time will tell. Yeah, in fact, just to close this particular line of discussion. I saw some interviews with some uh, people from Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia, uh, where they're neck and neck. I think it's 46, 47 in favour of Trump, in fact, percentage-wise. Yes. A CNN reporter came up and said, yeah, what do you think about this tax thing? He says, no, it's, it's not a problem for us. We don't care. In fact, if he can beat the IRS, then good luck to him. I'd love to beat the IRS as well. So they're taking this as a positive, oh. which is so disturbing. 
it is incredibly disturbing. But but there is that is America today. You've got very um, bifurcated views on the world, and I think the fact that people don't seem to think that paying taxes is a good idea. It tells you a lot about his base. And, and like I would say, I mean, a, a COVID's just made that even worse, I think, for 2020. Let's talk about South Africa now and the unemployment data which came out today, which was not shocking because we knew what it was going to be. But if we didn't know what it was going to be, it would be shocking as well. It's absolutely awful. And local businesses must be tearing their hair out seeing these numbers because they don't have customers anymore. And the government must be tearing its uh, collective hairs out because they have to pay more in benefits. And it's going to go on for years and years from what I can see. These are disastrous numbers. These are absolutely disastrous numbers. And first, let's comment, South Africa came out and said the unemployment rate improved from 30%, I think, to the number 23%. Uh, and you might say, what are they smoking? Well, basically, they said 5 million people had stopped looking for work. Essentially, 5 million people, an awful lot of which were in lockdown and couldn't move and couldn't look for a job. So they made the statistics look better. That's the first ridiculous comment that came out. But if you look at the extended unemployment numbers, the sort of true unemployment numbers, we're at 42%. I mean, if you think about that, it's one in two people in South Africa are unemployed. It's, well, not completely one in two, but pretty close. It's a disaster. You know, I was interviewing some fixed income bond managers yesterday, and they're telling me they think the South African economy will get back to 2019 levels. And let's not forget, 2019 was hardly incredibly positive in sort of between you know, three to five to seven years. We're going to be in this situation for a very, very long time to come. And I'm not sure, if Lindsay, if you were on Twitter today, but people are sharing those pictures of the railways in South Africa. Yes. If you've seen those pictures. I mean, I would take people should go look at them. It's absolutely disastrous. It looks like army ants have come in and taken over railway stations. There are no, there are no buildings left. There are no railway lines left. And one of the comments, I think, was that we've got, I think, is it three out of 17 railway lines are not operating in Joburg? Or actually can be operated, sorry, so they actually can put a train on the lines. It's beyond terrifying. And then they talk about trying to increase infrastructure spend in South Africa, and that'll be the nirvana and get us back on growth rates. Well, how do you put money into infrastructure when the trains themselves, the railway lines, are being destroyed? South Africa's in real, real trouble. I think that's what you and I continue to say on the show. I continue to think that South Africa, unless we go to the IMF for a massive bailout, or unless we do prescribed assets, I have no idea where the money's coming from to solve our problems. Yes, but even if we do get the money, what will the money be utilised for? I mean, it seems to me that the whole bureaucratic infrastructure and the, the upper echelons of management of the economy is not qualified. I mean, the, you can go with your begging bowl, you can take the money, but what, you, what will you do with it? It will take a decade to fix the infrastructure of South Africa and with specific reference to railways. And I know about railways because I've, I used to occasionally get the train from Cork Bay to Cape Town Central. <laughs> It was awful. I did it twice and I said, no, never, ever again. The train was never on time. It never arrived on time. It stopped. There was criminality well, going on. The railway line, just back to the railway line example, mm. and somebody tweeted many years ago, I remember reading it, but it's so true. You know you live in a developed world when the rich use public transport. Yes. And back to your point, you know, you tried it twice and never again. Now, the poor people in South Africa have no choice, but nobody in South Africa wants to use railways unless they absolutely have to use the trains. But that's not the society we should be living in. We should be living in a society where these things work, and they work for the And people aren't forced to get into taxis because there are no alternatives. But my point, and you're exactly right, Lindsay, you can put all this money into infrastructure. Where will the money go? And I think South Africans today are saying, well, it will probably end up in corruption or incompetence. It's, 
it's very, very scary. So even we got the money, as you point out, what would we do with it? Because what's also very clear is that government today have got very good ideas of what to do with the money, but the action is just not there. So on that side, though, I, I mean, I think the one positive, though, unless we all slit our wrists here, is the renewable energy projects seem to be something that has worked in South Africa. And I see Gwydion and Tashe is talking about increasing uh, renewable energy in South Africa. So that's quite good from an ESCOM perspective, We're getting more energy in the country. So mm-hmm. there's a positive. The other positive we keep talking about is selling the 5G networks or selling, um, what's the word for it? I can't think of the word right now, but raising money and that side of things. But yes, yeah, South Africa's got some real problems. I mean, COVID's going to take us years and years and years to recover from. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Yes, and we can ill afford external influences when we are already shooting ourselves in the foot domestically. Okay, let's have a look at the markets. What do we do now? The RAND is, oh, it's just suddenly broken the 17. It's now 16.99. Whoopee. Um, but what seriously, what, what are we doing? It's just getting everything out as quickly as we can uh, legally well, look, and, 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 and diversifying externally? Okay, so the RAND at the moment is, you know, up and down, but I think broadly it's going to continue to weaken the news, and, and you and I discussed it last week on SA Airways, is not good news. Uh, the fact that uh, the finance minister said they don't want to help and are not being forced to help bail out SA Airways is particularly bad for South Africa. And, and more so if you want to negotiate with the labour unions on wage increases. And we know we have to get the budget deficit down. So we, so on that subject, uh, foreigners have been selling our bond market, uh, apparently been selling about 6 billion rands worth of bonds in the last week. And that's why you've seen sort of weakness again in the currency markets. Just to put that in perspective, quite a few Bloomberg articles today have come out and said, well, with the dollar being so weak, the carry trade is alive and well. You know, borrow in dollars, put your money in Mexican peso, Brazilian real, etc. None of the articles say put your money in SA rands, which I thought was quite interesting because our yields here are very, very high. OK, so where, where do we want to put our money? I, I think offshore still remains the place you want to have as much money as possible within, obviously, Reg 28 rules or this voluntary money quite a lot, I think, you know, Upwards of 50% should be offshore. There are clearly still some South African companies that are doing all right, like the last post process, et cetera. So just be careful what you buy. But again, be careful of the crowded trades because the problem is in South Africa today, there's so few options, more and more people are crowding into the, the popular stocks. And, you know, we, we have said before we like gold shares. So I think in a world where central banks only know one story and that's to print money, gold shares still make a lot of sense to me. And then on the subject of interest rates here, cash Yields now are so low that whilst we've had a situation where cash has outperformed equities the last five years, I think it's unlikely that's going to continue in the future. And if you're prepared to take some risk in the bond market, up to the sort of seven to 10 year numbers, you can get some very decent yields. So, look, longer out, I'd be very weary of the bond market. But in the sort of the medium term, seven to 10 year space, I think SA bonds still make a lot of sense just from a yield perspective. Quite a lot has to go wrong for you to make less money than being in cash. And then, yeah, and then I said, yeah, I think you and I have discussed quite a few times African bonds, not without risk, obviously, but very nice dollar yields if you can get a manager to invest the money for you. Yeah, Sorry, Lindsay, you wanted to say something? No, it's a little bit of a minefield there. Um, would you say that over the next month, because of the election coming up on November 3rd in the United States, and also the reputation of October as being a very volatile month, would you be long of volatility? I mean, if you're a sophisticated investor, would you go long the vols, as they say, the VIX, the volatility index, the VIX? I want to go long of it. Yeah, I would do, because essentially when you're buying protection, that's what you're doing. Because implicit in protection is going long vol. So I, I think that's a very good idea. So in other words, for the name on the street, well, they would never do this, but buying protection in portfolios make a lot of sense right now. We, we don't, what if Trump says he doesn't believe the election results? 
so, you know, that there's still a lot of risk out there. Let's not forget Brexit. Um, it's quite a crucial week this week, actually, for Brexit. Apparently, they need to come up with some negotiation or agree on something before the two-week run down to October the 15th, where if Britain doesn't come up with a deal, they, they leave it without a deal. So, yeah, I think even that is something no one's talking about anymore. We'll have to stop talking about. But Brexit very much remains a risk for markets. So, yes, Lindsay, I agree with you. If you can go long vol, I think it's probably quite a good trade, given quite a lot of uncertainty in the market. And let's not forget uh, the second wave worries. Again, you and I have spoken about this at length, but I, I continue to worry about what governments will do. Not, not actually about the second wave itself, but I, I very much worry about what governments will do. Because we're going to further massive lockdowns. I'm not sure world economies can cope with it. Well, we've gone into lockdown in uh, Rotterdam as of this evening. I mean, I don't go out much anymore because I've become an agoraphobe. But the point is, I, if I did want to go out, I have to stop going out at 9pm. They kick you out. It's a 9pm curfew I've got now when it comes to cafes, bars, restaurants, etc. It's all over the place. It's unbelievable how it's impinging upon our everyday lives that we've become used to over the decades. Well, yeah, and if, I was watching this incredibly sad video today of this old lady that was not allowed out of her house because of certain lockdown rules. I mean, this woman must have been in her late 80s, I reckon. But she could not hug her grandchildren. She could not see her own children. And these are government laid down rules. This woman was basically mentally going out of her mind. Hmm. We, we don't, we're underestimating suicides, people who are not going to hospital because of cancer. It's, it's much more than just COVID. I, I, I continue to worry that governments... Are taking away our civil liberties, but also doing massive for a very, very long time. OK, on that sad note, we'll leave it. Thank you, Joanne. That's Joanne Bainham, Independent Financial Advisor. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.